Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. For thousands of years, human beings have wondered about entering the afterlife. Do we climb a golden staircase or walk towards a light? Is it a vast, expansive paradise or just an endless, meaningless void? Turns out it's none of those things. It's just me, waiting with my clipboard, ready to collect three questions for God. This is God Only Knows, a podcast that kills its guests before they even get to say a word only to meet them as they step out of the eternal elevator and submit their three questions to God, whoever or whatever he, she or it may be to them. Joining me straight out of the eternal elevator is Ash Atala. Now, Ash, before you can submit your questions, we need to fill out a bit of a profile. Is that okay? Yeah. So I need a few details. Sure. Um, Your full name? It's Ashraf Albert Atala. Albert being my father's name. Okay. And him having the ego to put his name in the middle of my right name. Right in the middle. Sure. And Ashraf, where does that come from? Um, it's Egyptian. Uh, uncommon here. Yeah. But sort of like John in Egypt. Oh, really? Yeah. John's Cafe, Ashraf's Cafe, okay. Ashraf's Tire Shop. <laughs> so it's, like it's a common name there. Sweets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why you had to move, really. Yeah, that's Stand out a bit. Nobody wants to be John. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, John. <laughs> Sorry, John. Um, and your occupation? Uh, I'm a TV producer. Um, I run a company called Rough Cut Television. And any notable achievements, he says, looking around a room filled with notable achievements? Um, I'm the kind of guy who puts his medals up on the wall. um, (laughs) I got some prizes. They gave me some BAFTAs for some shows. Yeah, I'm looking at an Emmy up there. Down the ears, that's an Emmy. Yeah. What's that there? Is that a Golden Globe? Where? There. I didn't see, I didn't see oh, that one. Should, no, did I miss one? Did I miss one? Sorry, there's a Golden Globe. I did see that. There's a Golden Globe. Describe that for your listeners. Do you, want to, do you want me to count the BAFTAs? Shall I count them out? If you see a Golden Globe, say a I Golden Globe. I should say globe. it. I should say it. I mean, I'm looking at five BAFTAs more than anything. I mean, that's what I'm looking at. Let me just count them to make sure you're <laughs> one, two, three. Yeah, God. Good. That's twice that you've counted them. Once first thing in the morning. Five is a lot. <laughs> <laughs> um, and do you think much about um, the afterlife? Very uh, little, actually. Um, in fact, ahead of this sort of recording with you, I thought about how little I think about faith generally, mm. um, which I think is strange because I think about a lot of stuff too mm. much. Mm. So it's not that I don't think, it's not that I don't bore myself and others with my thinking, mm. but I just don't think about this very much, which is interesting. So maybe I should think about that. 
Yeah, let's just stop there. That's it. Yeah. We've done our job. Yeah. Our job here is done, Joe. We're right. It's gone meta. Good um, night. <laughs> um, but, and you said about faith as well. So faith is something that, has, that played a part in your life before or is a part of your life? Um, I come from uh, a religious family. My parents are, we are Coptic Orthodox re- uh, religion, Egyptians. And my mum and dad, as they've got older, I mean, they were always churchgoers, but as they've got older, have become sort of properly involved in the church. Mm. My sister, Angela, who comes from your, or who lives in your yeah. Shores in in Belfast is religious, mm. and her husband. So I, I I so it's not like it's not around in my yeah. life. And when I go back to Egypt, they're all you know um, they're religious, but it's sort of skipped me um, yeah, a little bit. Interesting. Mm. Um, no, it's not the you know the most comfortable way to start anything, but I do have to kill you before we start. Yeah. So are you ready for the spinning wheel of death? I knew this was coming. Here we go. So what are you going to get? There's quite a few options. Anything you'd like in the look of there? Is one of them says live on BBC Two? Yeah, well, I want that. You want that? I one. want to be killed I know, I know. live on BBC Bitten Two. Bitten by a traffic warden at Stonehenge. Jesus. Yeah. Jesus. That's some way yeah. to go, right? Yeah. I mean, do you have many run-ins with traffic wardens? It's not glamorous. I had quite a few. I've just um, completed a small speeding uh, course awareness course <laughs> voluntarily for the police last <laughs> week. I have to do that every three years, it seems. <laughs> uh, so I did another one last week. And Stonehenge, are you a big fan of the kind of the? I uh, went to university in Bath, and one of the routes to go to university would take you by Stonehenge, and um, I was always very underwhelmed by it. I mean, I don't want to say it's just a load of rocks. I think you just did. But it's yeah. sort of how I feel about it. Yeah. And I refuse to read the leaflet. See? There you go. You're never going to get the full so effect. So it's, it's just a bunch <laughs> of rocks. It's just a bunch of rocks. Yeah. And I like that, obviously, you pushed the traffic warden so far, they had to bite you to death. I mean, that... that <laughs> I'm not going to say I can see it, but it feels like there was a... I want it live on BBC Two. It's I know, just you're, you're really you're gutted on Yeah, yeah, yeah. On Newsnight. I mean, I've died live on BBC Two many times <laughs> with, with my shows on there. So I actually wanted to do it. Stonehenge <laughs> is just a giant disappointment twice for you. It's just got <laughs> you two times. Okay, so let's get started with your first question for God. Uh, my first question for God is, uh, when was it ever enough, God? When was enough? Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, talk to me a bit about that. Well, I suppose it's about um, happiness or contentment mm. or or a feeling of completion or, mm. yeah, just um, some sort of arrival at a place that you thought would bring you some certain kind of happiness or peace. Mm. And... Um, and uh, that is one of the things I think about a fair bit, mm. which is a sort of a, uh, a restlessness, mm. I guess. Mm. And so when was it enough and what was it, what was it, what was the plan? Mm. Did I have a plan? What was the plan? And then how am I doing mm. against that plan? Because I guess for a lot of people, like, you know, we, we, we've talked about, we're sitting in a room with a lot of awards, awards that people in the industry that you and I both work in would really want. And you've achieved those things. With How a many? number of projects. I'm, I'm just looking up again. Yeah. Was it four BAFTAs or five? Five BAFTAs. There's the five. And the Golden Globe. If you see five, say five. <laughs> Matt. Do you know what the, so I'm going to let everyone in a little secret here. I worked for Ash for five years. <laughs> I worked at Rough Cut TV and I had a brilliant five years and had a, a lovely time. But that's why he's still treating me a bit like he's still my boss, you see, because he always <laughs> will be. Once he's your boss, once he's always your boss. Um, but if I look around, there are a lot of hallmarks of what we would class as success. You still feel restless? Uh, yeah, very restless. Um, and uh, I think there are some parts of life where a restlessness is uh, useful. Uh, I am certainly 
not comparing myself to um, Sir Alex Ferguson hmm. in any way, hmm. but uh, he does have a sort of a famous, I don't know if it's a quote, but it's an observation that the sort of the second that he had raised the Champions League ha- trophy in his hand that he would be worrying about the next game. Mm. And I feel um, in uh, a much smaller way that that, so there's a restlessness, Mm. um, a creative restlessness, a work, Mm. uh, sort of a kinetic energy that drives me forward Mm. that I would say is probably quite useful Mm. in a career where you're sort of, you know, as good as your last show, as the cliche goes. Well, let's talk about some of your last shows because these things that are around us are for shows like um, The Office, which you were the producer of. Yes. Um, you produced the first series of the IT crowd, is that right? All of it. All of the IT, All crowd. Of the IT crowd. So you produced yeah. the entirety of the IT yes. crowd. Uh, People yeah. Just Do Nothing, yes. which is a more recent kind of big success. Yes. Staff Let's Flats, which is a huge success on Channel 4 in their comedy right now. You have had a career filled with those successes. Yes. So you've always found the next one. Um, yeah, and, that, and that's, you know, uh, the sort of lazy answer is that's a, a fear of it sort of going wrong. And that's, I think... Um, to do with how much is enough and when is it, you know, I, I, th- this is true. I've only just started, you know, or I've only just stopped worrying about where my next meal comes from. No. Yeah. And that, and it's not sort of financial. I think it's to do with, um, for any uh, listeners that don't know, I'm in a wheelchair. And so it's to do with the sort of the preparation and the procurement of food and I um, see things have changed now because you can get food brought to you mm. wherever you are and delivery and all mm. of that kind of stuff. But um, until fairly recently, you know, when I would enter the front door of my apartment, you know, you couldn't get Ubers or cabs. Mm. You know, so, so I, I would literally be worried about when my next meal would come from. And mm. I think that, you know, my father so, so says the same thing about himself. I think he came from sort of poverty and it's a it's a cliche that you hear a lot of people mm. talk about um so I, I i used to worry about sort of that and the physical getting of my food mm. and 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 that's sort of gone away recently and mm. uh, now i worry that my next meal will come too quickly as i pile on the pounds but <laughs> yeah so it's a it's a it, it, it's sort of this um and i'm glad i have this uh, lack of contentment mm. i think in my career but then there are other parts of your life where it's um extremely unhelpful yeah talk about <laughs> that. what 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 parts of your life has it not aided you in um uh, um i suppose relationships i suppose friend f- friendships not so much friendships it's but i think there's um just a an, an, an always if you're always looking over your shoulder or over somebody else's shoulder always wondering what to do next or wondering what the sort of future might hold it means that you don't sort of stop and settle and enjoy what mm. you've got and that's um <laughs> that's exhausting and that's yeah. tiring yeah and for you then has that has that marked then through your life have you have you always then found that sense of i can't enjoy this because i'm on the next already um yes uh yes i've always um you know if you take away the actual um shows that I've done until mm. I started Rough Cut. My sort of career has been marked by sort of uh, a, a leaving after mm. three or four years. I never really hung around. I mm. switched schools to try to go somewhere that I deemed to be better. I mm. uh, 
left jobs when it would have been much more comfortable for me to have stayed in there. So I, so I, I suppose what I'm saying is I, I seem to, as I sort of get a bit older and start to spot a pattern, I seem to um, panic when I sort of feel in a comfort zone. I seem to uh, rail against it, push back and um, kind of set fire to things and then start again. So that makes me sound a nice man, doesn't it? I, I think it's, well, first of all, I think it's a, a beautifully honest thing to recognise in yourself, to kind of recognise... Well, this you, isn't being recorded, is no, it? No, 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 no one will ever hear it, it's all just right, you good. and me again. That's what I uh, But the, the idea that you would, you use the language, set fire to something and then just start again, but deliberately, not kind of like find it on fire and go, how did that happen? The reflection, you, the words you used were that you recognise yourself doing it. Well, I reckon, I, I, I've started to see myself doing it now so I'm sort of doing it less mm. or you know or, or understanding why I'm doing it or yeah. at least trying to get to the bottom of it but it's um it, it, I, I think when you see something you know if you're if you've got half a brain and you've spotted yourself doing the same thing a few times then you need to dig into that mm. any idea where it comes from um I suspect it's connected with the wheelchair I think, I, I, you know, that's what I've, I think it's um, to do with this sort of constant need to prove myself or to sort of prove myself to other people so that it's, you know, if I, if I don't feel a forward motion, if I don't feel a change or push for mm. the better or to show other people that it's better, then I think that's what, then I'll wrongly think that people are seeing me in a certain way or stuck or static or... Um, not moving and Matt it's as it comes out of my mouth I can you I can feel how insane it sounds but I but it's but it because it sounds mad but I I don't I don't know that it does I don't know that there aren't people out there going that's how I felt because of x that's how I felt because of this and what you're saying is that your whole life people have seen you in the chair and then you start to think about what they assume I think we all do that I don't think that sounds bad at all I think we all look at ourselves and go how do people view me and then try to either live up to that or overcome that. And it sounds like you've tried to, in a way, always outdo what you assumed people's expectations were. Right. I think that's very human. But yeah, I think it's very human. So why have you written your prick ash on this bit of paper <laughs> and slid it? Because I don't work for you anymore. I can get away with it now. <laughs> <laughs> the worst you could do is cancel the recording. <laughs> um, so um, you've been in a wheelchair your whole life? Is yes. That some, so your earliest memories are in the chair? Um, yeah. Yeah, I don't remember not being in it. I okay. uh, was in it from when I was six months old. Okay. So I, um, I, I growing up, this was it really. Mm. I don't have any good or bad memories of it, just memories. This really. is what it was. Yeah, it yeah. Was, is what it was. So you ended up in television. Um, how did that happen? Um, I, I went and worked in the city. I wanted to, to make money very quickly and I was a child of the 80s and I would see uh, people in horrible men in stripy shirts shouting in the telephone, and I thought that looks like me. You wanted to do that? Yeah, I did. That? Yeah, I absolutely wanted to. I, I did do that. Really? Yeah, I did it. I did my stockbroking exams. I did do that. I was not good at it. Why not? Though, I'm, I say I'm not crazy great on maths. Which <laughs> was there. Anyone? Anyone? Yeah, I know this. I do know this. <laughs> you know, I'm I'm actually really not good at maths, and um. It turns out it's a numerical job it as well. Is, yeah. I could shout. Yeah. I could wear the shirts. Yeah. But when it came to the maths, I was um, not the smartest guy in that particular room. Okay. And I, um, again, I guess, uh, pertaining to what I was saying, rather than I could sort of see the writing on the wall and rather than have a sort of a very average 
20 year career where I was always going to be behind the curve, mm. I uh, left it. Wow. I mean, I left it just before it left me, yeah. to be fair. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. Yeah, and then, yeah, I started writing to the BBC and, and wow. I eventually... And that was it, you just wrote to the BBC and eventually someone replies and... Yeah, I mean, it took a long time and there was a lot of um, uh, people who were at their desks going, I wish this, you know, this, how many times do we have to tell this guy? Mm. But I didn't really know any better. And I didn't really know what working in television meant. I thought it was just one job that you worked mm. in television. Mm. Like you, so I was applying for that job. For television. For television, mm. uh, at television, mm. in television. Yes, as a television worker. As a television worker. <laughs> um, so... Uh, and of course, when people started saying, well, what do you want to do? And I, was, I said, well, I have, how many times do I have to say this? Television. <laughs> but so as I started to look into it, it's, I, I, I really honestly, uh, Matt, I think if I knew more about what working, mm. if I had have known more, I would never have done it because it's, it's very difficult at the beginning, isn't it? Mm. I mean, it's hard to stay in a job. Mm-hmm. And remarkably competitive. And it's really competitive. Mm. So um, had I have done my homework which I've um, made a virtue in my life of not doing, mm. I would have probably been scared by it. Mm. But there you go. Fortune favours the stupid. How did you end up in comedy over everything? Um, I was uh, researching for Carol Vorderman, um, and uh, my boss is a lady called Claire Pisey, who, I, you know, who rightly tells me I owe her my career. Um, uh, she is probably one of the few people that can say that with some truth. Mm. Um, uh, she uh, she always said that I was a very poor researcher for Carol Vorderman, okay. but um, a very funny researcher because much of my work was of a standard that it was so bad it was funny. <laughs> and she <laughs> she always said you you should surely be working in comedy. And wow. um, she fixed me up with a meeting with uh, the head of comedy at the BBC, and I never left. Wow! It's the first thing I did for for it was the first thing that I did that I felt good at for a while from I was good at school yeah I was you know pretty good at university but then the whole work thing didn't yeah. really work out for me until that job really in comedy so something kind of clicked yeah yeah it clicked I was given a pile of scripts to read um uh you know because as you'll know the first way into television is running you yeah. know you, and and for obvious reasons that's not what I can do. So rather than sort of fetch coffees for the bosses, they asked me to read scripts. And I, and I, you know, the arrogance of me, I just picked up a pen and started writing notes on these scripts and cutting bits out. And I felt, um, from zero training, just absolutely at home around scripted comedy material. It's funny, isn't it, how people talk about that. There's this kind of moment almost when, particularly people who excel in something like, like you've done in comedy, but that moment of, it was almost like you just find yourself picking up a script and knowing instinctively what was funny and what would be funnier and what wasn't funny is something that was just in you somewhere. And I think because I'd had that experience of um, being in the city mm-hmm. and that hadn't gone well, mm-hmm. and you know, I, I'm being flippant about how I got into television, but it, it was actually two or three quite painful and sometimes sort of quite low, you know, moments. Mm-hmm. And so I was very much ready for that moment of triumph. Mm-hmm. You know, I was very much like, oh yeah, okay, I can do this, mm-hmm. and I'm gonna tell them mm. that I can do this because mm. um, uh, the other things haven't worked out. Mm. So I'm, I'm going to own this one. Mm. So you, your career progresses, you move through those shows, you start Rough Cut. Rough Cut's an incredibly successful company. All of this and still sitting here right now, it's not enough. I, I mean, I don't want to sound like I'm sort of, sort of sit here in some sort of 
angst, but if you said to me now, would I take it and do I feel like I'm I'm done and that I've achieved it and I feel good about things, I would have to answer no. Wow. <laughs> I would have to answer no. In, in, in that, I'm not that I'm unhappy, I actually mm. feel um, uh, happier than I've felt for for some time now, but I just feel um, that there's a lot more to do, mm. like a lot more. Mm. Um, yeah. So you say to God, when was enough? What would be a disappointing answer? If he said that you've already had enough. If he said, you, my son, have had enough. Um, and I go, I really haven't. <laughs> so there's going to be a, there's going to be a discussion. There's there'll, going be to be, a discussion. there'll be some notes. Yeah, there'll be some notes back yeah, to God. Yeah, I can see that. You, yeah. he, can, he can come to the edit, but I want to make it better. <laughs> When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ash, your second question for God. Um, my second question for God is, will Stephen Hawking talk to me in heaven? I feel like there's a story. Yeah, there is. <laughs> there is a story. There is a story, and it's a little bit complicated, but bear with me. Um, the British Comedy Awards, uh, some time ago, the office had won for Best Comedy, and Stephen Hawking was on stage, and they had invited him to uh, present an award on stage. Because I'm in a wheelchair, they would put me at the side of the stage, so, the, so if we had won, I didn't have to go up the steps. Right. He presented the award, and he had obviously pre-programmed his uh, voice box mm. to go and the winner is I can't remember it it wasn't to us and uh Ricky Gervais did a speech afterwards and he said oh Ash is annoyed that he's not the cleverest one in the room and by one he meant man in the wheelchair punchy mm. but also true <laughs> and, if you get, and if you're gonna come if you're gonna come an intellectual second yeah let it be to Stephen Hawking I mean you, you want to go big right go big or go home but there's it's... nobody between me and him no. just so you know <laughs> At the party afterwards, I thought it would be funny to have my picture taken with Stephen Hawking mm. to, 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 to do nothing more than amuse myself. Mm. 
Um, so I uh, went up to him, he was with his nurse, and I said uh, to her, uh, could I have my picture taken with Stephen? There were, uh, it was a show business party, mm. there were some paparazzi people there, and she said to me, uh, no, he wouldn't want that because um, he thinks that you're just doing it as a, as a joke. I think I said, I think I might have said to her, it'll look like Robot Wars, the two wheelchairs together. So you had form? I had absolute form. Yeah. She was writing everything she said. Yeah. So uh, we uh, agreed that I wouldn't have my picture taken. But then I spotted at the back of the room a door. So um, what I said was, I went, there's one of the paparazzi guys. I said to him, look, I'm going to go out that back door, up the corridor, and in about two minutes and 30 seconds, I will swing right by Hawking again. If you're there with the camera, I'll just lean in, you click, and then I'll be off again. And he said, um, yeah, okay. Because he had no morals either. He's a pap. <laughs> so I do that. So I go down the door, I come up the corridor, and I swing by, lean in, mm. have the cheekiest look on my face ever, pap, got the picture, exchanged emails with the pap, yeah. left the party. Yeah. And if anyone goes on my Facebook page... My picture is me and Stephen Hawking. Yeah. All right. We then cut to my office, my work. Uh, we did a sketch show called Manstroke Woman. Mm. And um, it was about relationships and it was about kind of being um, around town and men and women of a certain age and all of that stuff. And I, I was saying to a couple of the writers, I think it was, it was the weekend and I was going through a phase of going to parties. I was single at the time. I'm not a big one for South London or traveling. I'm lazy. But my friends go, oh, you come to this party, it's in Brixton. And I go, well, you know, are there going to be women there? Are there going to be girls there? And, I, and they go, yeah, of course, there's going to be loads of girls there. And I go, okay, all right, well, I'll make the journey then. And so I'd often go to these party parties and there would be no women there. It would be loads of men there who had been told there were girls there. And I'd always go up to my mate and i go, but you said there'd be girls here. And so talking to these writers about the kind of world that kind of world and the, the the absurdity of only going to a party because you think there'd be women there and mm. how you rightly you know how I'd rightly get my comeuppance by there not being any women there so they came up with these characters um about two men trying to meet women and they go to various different locations you know I think one of them like you know they went to Miss World mm. and there were no women there <laughs> and one would look at the other and go but you said there'd be girls here yeah, right yeah. so it was like a yeah in the days of catchphrases and sketch comedy so yeah. it was a thing for my birthday that year, they presented me with a birthday card, and it was the picture of Stephen Hawking. And underneath they had written it, you said there'd be girls here. And inside, everyone in the office had signed it. So I put it up on my mantelpiece in my flat at home. So uh, my next-door neighbour uh, was a model called Lily Cole. Mm. Yeah, Well-known, well um, uh, very nice person, uh, very good next-door neighbour. One day I'm coming home from work, and outside my apartment there was a big a-team style van i go into the reception of my apartment and um there is a bit of a kerfuffle and there is a sort of a, a kindly woman walking around she smiles at me broadly and there seems to be an atmosphere of some heightened tension i can't quite understand it. i get into the elevator i go to my floor of the building uh, it's very long corridors i look down the end of the corridor and and lily cole uh, my next neighbor and model is standing by her front door with Stephen Hawkins. No. With Stephen Hawkins. Lily's apartment 
was the nicest one on the, on, on the corridor. Mm. And, and to get into it, there was a small step. So Lily sees me down the end of the corridor. She runs up to me and she goes, oh my God, Ash, I'm having an absolute nightmare. Stephen's here. He's come all the way from Cambridge to meet me and we can't get him into my flat. She said, have you met him? And I was like... Oh. <laughs> <laughs> now, we're having this conversation and she's pushing me down the corridor and Hawkins is five, four, three, two. We get right... So we're right by each other and she says, Stephen, oh, this is Ash. And... The thing about Hawkins is he can't talk. But I could see in his eyes, he remembered me. He knows. He knew <laughs> what you'd done. And I think he knew what I'd done. Yeah. Lily says to me, um, look, I've made all the food for Stephen, but he can't get into my flat. Could we have the dinner in your flat? And I was like, wow, this is weird. So I sort of opened my own front door and my girlfriend's there. And she's going, hello, hello, my love. Good day at work. And I, yeah. Just got Stephen Hawkins here. <laughs> and Lily Cole. And Lily Cole. Can he come in for dinner? She's like, what? And I goes, well, by which point, sort of, you know, Lily's sort of burst by me. Yeah. He's sitting there having what I would say was a quite an awkward dinner. When Lily stands up and she goes, she goes, which way's the toilet? And she's going to the toilet and as she's going past my mantelpiece. Oh no. She sees the card. Oh no. She goes, what's this? And I go, what? That? Put, put it down. And it goes, you said there'd be girls here. And it's me. So I had to then explain it to him in the most <laughs> horrific, so silent. It's oh. called the, the silent casserole. Wow. And that is why I suspect when I get to heaven, if it is indeed heaven, if he's there, he won't talk to me. You might have to say sorry. I might have to say sorry. I might have to rip that card up. Yeah. I might have to delete, delete my Facebook. Yeah. Of all the people to have upset, that's got to be up there, right? I mean, I didn't mean to upset him. It was a <laughs> series of... It was a series of, of unfortunate events. I mean, I don't decide who gets in or not. It feels like you're kind of justified at night, but I'm just saying, you know. Well, you know, you could also argue that he might have found it funnier, you know? I mean, who's to say... Who's in the wrong, Matt? You're not the judge. And I'm, I'm not, not the no, judge. I'm definitely not the judge. Is God the judge? Yeah. Yeah, that, right. okay. Well, let's see what he says. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if we can answer that question. I think we will just have to wait and see. We'll find out. I'm intrigued to find out. I'm intrigued to find out if there is a grand reconciliation. That's definitely a new route for this podcast. Yes. That's definitely something we haven't had before. I don't normally tell that story. I should have saved it for my book. So, Ash, you've got one final question for God. What is it? Uh, dear God, uh, what happened to my miracle? Okay. So, when I was uh, younger, I used to go to a disabled school before I went to uh, my local sixth form college. And um, every year, there was a trip to Lourdes. And uh, so, I've been to Lourdes a lot. And I used to enjoy it. But looking back on it, I think I enjoy it a lot less in retrospect because I don't know whether you've ever been but it's um it's it's sort of religious tourism hmm. it's a very strange place Lewis but it is sort of predicated on a miracle having happened hmm. Matt you can remind me and oh, the audience I gonna ask me. I can't remember what, what is, is the original miracle oh, so I... she uh, mother Mary everyone just so you know listeners 
religious Matt is Googling. Oh, I knew this off the top of my head. Don't, is Googling don't say Google if you Lourdes. don't. So, so Our Lady of Lords, uh, according to my knowledge and Wikipedia. So the first, uh, the first uh, apparition is in 1858 when a 14-year-old tells her mother that a lady spoke to her in one of the caves. Uh, and then that goes from there, and then there have been several since. We would go there. It would be about 10 or 15 people from my school. I think it was the Easter week. I think it was a particularly... Okay. And especially... I mean, it's always religious in Lourdes, Matt. Um, uh, All year. There's a completely religious vibe, but particularly religious in that week. And I think they would have young people from all over the world mm. go there. And, you know, as soon as you get to the airport... Uh, there are, you know, plastic statues of her. Mm. There are bottles of oil. There are Lourdes hats, baseball caps, sunglasses, mm. you know, Orangina sponsored by Lourdes. Mm. So there was, you know, it's a whole sort of thing. And and when you would get there, there were lots and lots of museums. And they, I think they're called like uh, miracle museums. And you would essentially go around. That would be the story of Lourdes. And in the last room, there would be... Um, just loads of crutches and wheelchairs and neck braces and back braces and calipers hanging from the wall. Mm. And they would say that these are the artefacts of people who have arrived needing these things and have been cured mm. in Lourdes. And then there was a particular procession when I think a bishop would um, bless that congregation and that would be the moment that lots of people had their miracle. Mm. And... Um, I would sort of go to this procession. Now, I was about, um, I don't know, eight, nine, ten, maybe a bit older. But there was a real pressure on, well, in my younger years, there was a real hope that you would, I mean, just stand up. And so, I don't think that's fair. I don't think that's cool to do that to young kids. And um, every year I'd go to Lourdes, and I wouldn't go to, you know, be cured but they always sort of held out that hope well you might be mm. I mean we're not saying you're not going to be cured mm. just pay and then we'll tell you mm. whether you're going to be cured or not so I just think um, and then it occurs to me of course in later life that lots of those um, wheelchairs and things that were hanging up were like really old mm. so if there were miracles it felt like they stopped mm. and I never get one of course and the fact that there are no modern ones mean that you can't really corroborate it because there's nobody alive to ask. So I always thought that that was um, a trick, mm. just a trick. And so um, I don't really want a miracle, actually. I don't really, um, I've often discussed with mates late at night, you know, if you could walk now, like, would, would I? Would I take it? Would I accept the card? And probably no. Mm. Now, at this moment, you know, probably it would affect my relationship. And I'm not a nice man anyway. And I think, you know, the only thing that's humbled me is perhaps being in a wheelchair. So God knows what I'd have been like otherwise. So I think um, uh, I probably wouldn't take it. But I actually just think about the, you know, what that sort of does to the mind of a child. Mm. And um, bearing in mind that there aren't people springing out of wheelchairs and calipers and stuff like that, mm. then I think... They should maybe just think a bit more carefully about. It's like any holiday. You set your expectations. Mm. You know, if there's building work going on in the hotel next door, or the pool's not big enough, like you set your expectations. And if that expectation is that you might come home walking, mm. then you should take it up with Abta, who I think the uh, 
holiday regulatory body. I leave a really bad review on TripAdvisor. Massively bad. You said that when you went when you were much younger, you, you went in hope. And then that obviously shifts at some point. Is there a moment when you can go, you were going one year and it was like, oh, this could be a year. And then suddenly you're going, well, I'm not going to walk this year. Can you recognize that shift or did it just happen over time? Um, I, I, there was no sort of one moment, but you know, as you become sort of more um, self-aware or your sort of mind goes from the thought process of a child to, the, to that of a sort of a, a young adult, mm. you kind of start to put, you know, a few pieces together and like, oh yeah, uh, you know, I've been at a disabled school my whole life. Nobody's ever got up and walked. Mm. I've been to Lourdes and seen these mass, mass masses and nobody's ever got up mm. and walked. Everyone who um, has got up and walked is dead. <laughs> so wait a minute. This, is this a trick? Mm. Have these miracles ever happened? Mm. And if they have, that's amazing. And if they haven't, somebody really needs to shut this place down. Mm. <laughs> or at least change its focus mm. because uh, you can't have it both ways. Do you remember the disappointment of coming away? I, 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 do, I honestly do remember the moments when, you know, you, 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 you would sort of be in this sort of mass thing. And, I, and, and if I remember correctly, I think, there was, like I say, there was a particular blessing mm. that was the one, and they had a name for it. It was a procession. And that was the one that people had. Uh, got up and walked from mm. and so I do sort of remember again oh well not this year and then you kind of it's like yeah coming back to the x factor and you kind of go you know Simon you don't remember me from last year but mm. I think this could be my year mm. I've got a much better I went away did what you said mm. worked on my voice I've worked on my legs and I'm ready mm. now for this one and so I do like it did come to an apex and then like I say then the trips became more about sort of having a half a pint of lager away mm. from, you know, when your parents went there, the mm. trips became something else. Mm. But yeah, I'm, I, I, I don't, I, I don't, I really don't think they should do that. Mm. And for you, you said that if you were given the choice now, walking wouldn't be on the agenda. You wouldn't want, that's not something you'd want. I don't think so. I think um, it's all inextricably linked with, personality mm. and the cliche of we are a sum of our parts and different things and I'm sure that um, being in a wheelchair has played a, a significant part perhaps the dominant part in the forming of my personality mm. my career my restlessness my good parts my bad parts mm. I think it's all you know as I sort of uh, get older I can see that it sort of lies at the heart of much more than I realized mm. And so I think if I pulled at that string, now I would be an entirely different person. And um, uh, so let's just probably stick with this mess rather than, well, better a mess you know than a mess you don't, as the saying doesn't go. <laughs> <laughs> so you get to heaven. Are you in a chair in heaven? I would have thought so. Yeah, I would have thought so. I sort of, sort of I, because I don't think of it as a place, anything... Other than I don't um, subscribe to the sort of iconology of it and what it, you know, and the and the the gates and all that kind of symbolism, mm. I don't go with. So I I kind of think of it. Well, actually, I'm not really sure that it exists. Or I don't think it does. Or even I haven't actually thought about these things that deeply, which is what I said to you at the beginning. But yeah, I'll be in the chair in heaven. Yeah. And so you say to God, "Where was my miracle?" 
Is there a response that God can give that's satisfying? Yes, you are a miracle, son. And I go, you're right, God. Thanks. That's what I thought. <laughs> Sounds pretty close to me. <laughs> I don't get to decide. <laughs> this podcast has no consistency. <laughs> I like that I'm getting notes of my own podcast in my own podcast. I mean, what is this? You better leave these bits in. With you see, me I'm telling you, it. I'm telling you, this is it. You can never not be, Ash can never not be your boss once I'm, it happens. I'm coming to the edit of it. <laughs> Ash, thank you so much for being on the podcast. I genuinely really appreciate it. It's almost time to return you to the land of the living. But before I do, is there anything you think God would want to ask you? Um, ah, that is a good question. No, I've left it all on the pitch. He saw everything. He can see everything. So I guess there's nothing that he doesn't know that I know. So no, God has zero questions for me. No notes. How nihilistic, no notes. 10 out of 10, perfect <laughs> performance. God's like, couldn't have done it any differently. The ultimate irony if you get to heaven and there's no notes. No I mean, notes. So many of us will be disappointed. Just like, this was our time. Ash was going to get notes. I'm saying, God, do you really think it was perfect? You, you promised me you think it was perfect. And he goes, yeah, it was faultless. <laughs> we were all up here looking at you going, that was amazing, Atala. I mean, you lived long and well and didn't make a single mistake. Thanks very much. <laughs> Well, that is it for this episode, Ash. Thank you so much. The good news is that um, it wasn't a fatal bite. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And actually, right. we were able to get back in the car and make your way from the pile of rocks. Okay, yeah, fine, yeah, yeah. all right. Annoyingly, they've now invited you back every year. To Stonehenge. Yeah. I'm not yeah. going. Yeah. <laughs> rubbish. More like rubbish, Henge. Check, check, with the, check with the PA. He's busy. He's just busy. He can't do <laughs> it. Busy. He can't do it. Listen, thank you so much. It's been such a pleasure. I'll be back next time to kill off another guest and find out what they want to know on God Only Knows. God Only Knows is a dot 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 production hosted by Matt White. The music is by Auburn Jam and the producer is Joel Porter. Thanks for listening. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Confidence starts with loving who you are. And when your skin feels nourished and glows on the outside, you naturally radiate confidence from the inside. Give your skin a glow up with Osea's clinically proven Mega Moisture Duo. This ultra-hydrating body care features two of Osea's bestsellers, Undaria Algae Body Oil and Undaria Collagen Body Lotion. These seaweed-powered heroes use skincare-level ingredients normally reserved for your face for results you can see and confidence you can feel. Osea has been making clean, clinically proven seaweed-infused face and body care products for over 28 years. This luxurious skincare is vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Glow from the inside out. 
get 10% off your first order with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A-Malibu.com, code GLOW.